This episode is brought to you by The Route. Have you heard about The Route Beauty? It's a clean, medical-grade skincare brand founded by a nurse and her best friend. Both are beauty industry experts and working moms in their 50s who wanted to address all the reason the skin ages in as few products as possible. All formulas are designed to work in harmony with your skin's circadian rhythm and are backed by science, road-tested by experts, and proven to work. The Route works its magic by using award-winning, clinically proven ingredients that deliver transformative results. I love the entire line, but their Instagram famous party peel is one of my favorites. It's an invisible oxygenating peel, meaning it won't actually make you peel, that bubbles on contact so you can literally watch the ingredients work their magic to give you smooth, glowing, party-ready skin, and it's gold. Speaking of gold, the golden rule is also a game changer. It's a next generation retinoid gentle enough to be used every day. Retinoids are one of the best ways to teach your skin how to act young again, but they can make your skin super sensitive. In fact, some people can't tolerate them at all. That's why the golden rule is the perfect solution. And we love it. I could go on, but why don't you check out the line and let us know what you think? They are offering 25% off just for our amazing listeners. So head on over to the routebeauty.com and enter courageous 25 at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. Welcome to courageous wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French, and this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained 50-pound weight loss and self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Courageous Wellness. We have a really interesting conversation today with Dr. William Shu that we will get to in a moment. But to kick us off, we're going to start with some updates. And Ali, I know we want to talk. We've watched a lot of um, content recently that we're going to share. But I'm going to share a little bit about my update first, because the reason sure. I've been watching so much content is because a few weeks back, I think for our Dr. Shirazi intro, I, I mentioned that I was laying on a heating pad while recording that intro. <laughs> yeah. And since then, my back went from like bad to worse. And I, I literally could not walk for maybe three or four days. It, it's again, longer conversation. We do have a solo episode coming up in the next couple of months where we're going to like deep dive into updates and conversations, et cetera. 
But for now, I'll just say it was pretty terrible. And I did have to take some pain medication for it. I got a bunch of testing. It looks like it was just, um, like a pinched nerve or a strain. We're still working that out, but, um, yeah, it's been an interesting experience though, Allie, because I haven't been able to do my typical movement. Mm -hmm. And so that's really like pivoting and movement is something that has been interesting that I look forward to exploring and sharing. I think now I'm just starting to get back into some light Pilates to really strengthen my core. But, um, yeah, like my mental health walks have not been happening and it's just been really interesting. So I've been watching a lot of mental health content and (laughs) so that's what leads me into our content update. But, um, I know we both watched life and Beth on Hulu. I liked it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. We only do these like content, fun content kind of uh, updates every so often, you know, on these intros, but I feel like oftentimes you're like, I love this. And I'm like, I didn't, I didn't. And then I'm like, I love this. And you're like, no, but then, um, we both loved life and we both, we both really enjoyed life and Beth. And I thought Amy Schumer did an excellent job. And, um, yeah, I just, I think it was like really relatable in a lot of ways. It's a good Um, show. I definitely think it has, it's, it's funny. It has humor. It's not the lightest show in the world, but it's really good. And I think it, the way it, it's like almost like a mini series. And Mm -hmm. I do think it doesn't have like a heavy ending, but it does have heavy, um, themes, themes, definitely some heavy themes. And if you are looking for light TV, which I did also watch is, um, there's a show on, uh, HBO max called starstruck and it's a British comedy. It's I think six episodes a season. I've only watched season one. I'm going to start season two. So yeah, it was from BBC. And I guess the American distributor is HBO. HBO. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, it's like, go watch it right now. Really good. I can't, it's like a romantic comedy TV show in six episodes. They're like little vignettes, like each episode covers a season. So it starts on new year's Eve and goes a full year through the six episodes. And, um, the star of the show who plays Jesse, she's also the writer and creator and she's like a, you know, millennial and she's hilarious. Like, so it's such a funny, funny show it's so good. It's just good, like comfort, mental health TV. And it's a romantic comedy, which I love. So I really recommend that too. I, I enjoyed life and Beth and I enjoyed starstruck very, very much. Um, That's good. Good. So highly recommend both. Okay. What, and you watched, you're also watching. I am so late show. to this, like, so like two years late to this, but, um, I was on the airplane, uh, flying back to LA recently. And so, um, I was like, I'm going to watch some TV and they had Fosse Verdon, which I don't know how as like a musical theater person, I'm so late to this. Cause I, I knew about it when it came out, but, um, it's with Michelle Williams playing Gwen Verdon and, um, what's his name? Sam Rockwell playing, uh, Bob Fosse. And it's just like, they are so good. And, I love because I have so so much context for like the history of all these shows and films that, you know, he and they were a part of. And but just to have like this inside look on this relationship between this kind of power duo in the creative arts and the performing arts for so many years. um, Yeah, it's it's really fascinating. And it was just really it's so 
I have like a personal connection to it. Cause I, you know, I love, and I know the history of a lot of these musicals, but um, the performances by these two actors, I understand now why they won Emmys and stuff like that for it. And I can't believe I'm so late to the game. Yeah. I, I watched it when it came out yeah. and I loved it. So yeah. I, I know also with me. <laughs> highly, highly recommend. I couldn't believe when you, you know, our musical theater girl here, but um, yeah. I'm glad you're enjoying it now. Cause it was yeah. the acting, the writing, it was just a really enjoyable show. And you know what? You're right. There's sometimes there is something to like, sometimes it takes a plane ride or a back getting thrown out to like actually allow yourself to just like sit and binge something. Right. Because I always feel like there's a million other things to do, but there's such joy in like good, good consuming good content. Cause there's so yeah. much not good content too. So like to find something that's like really beautifully made. Um, I don't know. It's just really, it's really awesome. But, um, we could go on all day. We have a great episode to get to and it's, um, it's interesting. And so I'm glad, um, we got to have this conversation with Dr. Shu. Um, so are you ready? Should we get to it? Let's do it. Okay. So today on the podcast, we welcome distinguished endocrinologist and chief medical officer for El Nutra, Dr. William Shu. El Nutra is a leading Nutritech company developing innovations in nutrition. In his role as chief medical officer, Dr. Shu leads the clinical development effort and oversees the medical affairs department. By advancing education, he enables patients to make a fully informed adoption of in intermittent fasting and the El Nutra's fasting mimicking diet called Prolon, a five-day meal program that keeps the body in a fasting mode while enabling people to enjoy nutritious plant-based food. Intermittent fasting has experienced a recent surge in popularity among celebrities, dietitians, and healthcare professionals. And studies have shown that the benefits of intermittent fasting can modify risk factors for more serious health conditions like diabetes and cardiovascular disease by lowering cholesterol and blood sugar levels, and even supporting brain health by reducing oxidative stress and brain inflammation. In this conversation, we deep dive into a discussion on the history of fasting, the health benefits, what women need to know specifically before trying intermittent fasting or any fasting mimicking program. And we discuss the very trendy prolon fasting mimicking plan. We do want to disclaim that if on your current journey, listening to a discussion on intermittent fasting and fasting mimicking programs like prolon is not an in integrity or will trigger you in any way, please stop listening now and join us back next week. If it is something you want to learn about, we hope you enjoyed the episode. We learned a lot from Dr. Shu. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Ned. Let's talk about CBD. The CBD market feels really saturated these days, doesn't it? It seems like you can get it at any coffee shop or grocery store, and many CBD brands actually source their hemp from industrial hemp farms in China. The brand that we love, and more importantly, the brand that we trust is Ned. Ned produces some of the highest quality CBD available in the world, and Erica and I only partner with brands that we ourselves use. Ned shares third-party lab reports, who farms their products, and their extraction process all right there on their website. Ned is also USDA certified organic with all products extracted from USDA certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Peonia, Colorado. How's that for knowing exactly where your CBD comes from? 
We have both been longtime users of Ned. I rely on the full spectrum hemp oil to help with anxiety and the hormone balance blend has been a game changer as I transitioned off of birth control. And today we want to talk about Ned's new product, which has been in development for over a year, the de-stress blend. I've gone through two bottles since it's come out and I could not be more obsessed with the benefits and the effects. This one-to-one formula of CBD and CBG is made from the world's purest full spectrum hemp and check out these ingredients. CBG is known as the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is at combating anxiety and stress by inhibiting the reuptake of GABA, the neurotransmitter responsible for stress regulation. Ashwagandha is an amazing Ayurvedic adaptogen that enhances your body's resilience to stress. And the delicious taste of this blend is thanks to the botanical infusion of cardamom and cinnamon. Cinnamon is a powerful prebiotic that supports your gut health, a key player in your mental health. And cardamom combats stress by helping reduce your blood pressure and cortisol levels. Also, Ned's quality speaks for itself. The products have over 1,500 five-star reviews, and they work with incredible partners within the medical field like Dr. Carolyn Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, and Dr. Will Cole, who has been a two-time guest on this podcast. If you'd like to give Ned a try, Courageous Wellness listeners get 15% off Ned products with the code CWPODCAST. Visit helloned.com slash CWPODCAST to get access. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com forward slash CWPODCAST to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. You can also find a link in our show notes. We are so excited to offer our listeners a new discount to one of the best probiotic supplements on the market, Seed. Whether you are a Patreon member in our nutrition community or a regular listener of the podcast, you know that Ali and I are both very serious when it comes to the importance of gut health and building a thriving microbiome. I personally have been using seed for months and have noticed a big difference in my digestion and bloating. I am now devoted to taking seed every morning before food and I'm really excited to share their daily symbiotic with our audience. The formulation of the daily symbiotic combines a probiotic and prebiotic, is vegan and gluten-free, and includes 24 clinically studied naturally occurring strains not found in yogurt or fermented foods and beverages, and lives up to the highest standards for human and planetary health. Yes. In addition to being a really reliable probiotic and prebiotic supplement, Seed is committed to creating science-based education for all those that partner with them through accountable advertising at Seed University. This is where we are all committed to not spreading misinformation about health on the internet, which is pretty important. Also, I personally love their commitment to sustainability with a refill system and all recyclable or biodegradable packaging materials. Erica and I only advertise products that we use and feel are of benefit to us and by extension could be of value to our community. If you would like to order Seed Daily Symbiotics to incorporate into your own gut health routine, Go to seed.com and use Courageous15 at checkout for 15% off, or click on the link in our show notes or the link tree on Instagram. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Shu. Um, we're excited to have this conversation with you. And just to start out uh, for our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, your personal background, and how that's led you to the work that you do now? Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on the show today. Uh, I am um, an endocrinologist. So uh, this is a type of work where uh, the endocrinologists take care of people with diabetes typically. And I have uh, been taking care of patients for about 20 years. And I was a faculty at an academic center doing research and, and really enjoyed taking care of patients. I did somewhat of a, of a different take on my career though. I, I did, I ended up doing a lot of designing of programs to help uh, centers and hospitals to build uh, uh, sort of the top of the line diabetes uh, intervention programs all, all around the globe. And, uh, and so I already had a very global view of diabetes, not just from the patient's room. Uh, and then about two and a half years ago, uh, I came across the signs of fasting. I came across uh, sort of the intersection between uh, fasting, nutrition, and longevity, and it really intrigued me. Um, and uh, I was just thinking about if I wanted to expand my work to impact more people, I love the one-on-one -on -one work, but, uh, but how if I could expand the impact through fasting and the fasting technology, wow, I could, I could then influence many, many more people uh, than, than I could before. So I made the switch about two and a half years ago. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Can you talk to us a little bit about that science of fasting? I feel like there's so much information and so much noise out there. And I know fasting has also a lot of, um, ancient and historical, right? Like religious, um, practices included fasting and different things like that. But can you talk to us about what specifically got you so excited about fasting and, and what's so great about it? Yeah. I think for a long time, even in the field of health and wellness and, and in the field of diabetes, the debate had always been about like, what should you, you know, everybody asks, well, what should I eat? What should I eat? Is this better than that? Is this diet better than that? I think fasting brought on a new dimension of the discussions. It's yes, yes, it's important what you eat, but also is the timing of your eating. And that introduced that the introduction of that new dimension of when should you eat and not eat? Wow, I think it opens up a lot of, a lot of, a lot of discussions. And it begins to link uh, culture to religion and then to science and, and look at the biology around us. And this, the science has, has always been there. If you observe the nature, um, if you look at all kinds of animals, I mean, even, even cells, even, if you look, even look at yeast, all the way from yeast to flies to animal the, in the laboratory, to animal in the wild, they all follow the pattern that they fast every day. <laughs> because you know, a lot of times when we think about fasting as something really, really foreign, but all of us fast. <laughs> when we sleep, we fast. <laughs> so it's not so foreign. Uh, and so what's different about today is now fasting is one of the most common dietary practices in the United States. And there's the science to back it up. Yes, it's definitely become more in the mainstream consciousness, I think, in in the U.S. in the last, you know, even few years, I think it's really oh. made a shift. Um, it's interesting because I know, 
you know, as a doctor who deals, you know, endocrinology deals with uh, a lot with diabetes, we have a huge sort of metabolic health crisis, if I can call it that in this country. Um, and, and, and so, and, and many things beyond diabetes, as far as, you know, Erica and I also do health coaching and, and with helping folks with basic nutrition, um, and, and lifestyle sort of habits and things like that. And, you know, so many health, um, related sort of disease or, um, you know, chronic illnesses are related to, uh, can be related to blood sugar imbalance, like chronically. And, um, I know I, I work with a lot of young women too, that deal with hormone, uh, health issues. And oftentimes even things like PCOS is, um, something that, uh, is also deeply related to insulin and blood sugar balance. And so we have this, um, it's this, I guess you could say issue culturally that is prevalent in so many areas of our health. And so I'm curious, I want to go into more nuanced aspects of that, that I have questions for, but first if someone, um, so people are aware of what fasting is, um, intermittent fasting, they hear about where maybe you only eat between certain hours of the day. Um, and can you just tell us generally what some of the benefits of practicing fasting either intermittently or, you know, occasionally even, um, on a schedule, whatever it might be, whether it's a few days a week or something like that, what some of the health benefits might be from, from practicing, uh, different types of fasting. Mm, that's a really common question. Um, I think, you know, I think that one of the latest surveys I saw that 10% of, uh, of Americans adults are doing some sort of intermittent fasting. And one of the most common ways people are doing intermittent fast is through what's called time-restricted eating, uh, what you have just mentioned earlier. <clears throat> it's a very simple concept. That is, <clears throat> in addition to eating well and so on and so forth, you're simply limiting the amount of, of hours you spend eating versus fasting. So for example, uh, people say, well, one of the most common, most circadian uh, rhythms synced up, synced up uh, uh, fasting is the 12-12 fasting. So that means, you know, generally when the sun goes up, then you eat. And when the sun goes down, then you stop eating. That's uh, how our ancestors uh, used to eat, <laughs> except that we invented something called uh, electricity and refrigeration. And then that we just totally throw that off, right? And, uh, and you know, most of a, a lot of a lot of our listeners, um, they um, eat in the late evenings, and a lot of times it's not because we're hungry. There, there's certain uh, certainly situation when we feel hungry, but a lot of times we eat out of social events. We eat, sometimes eat out of habit, uh, and and sometimes we turn on the TV and and there we go. It's we eat out of emotions. Um, and so uh, when you limit the number of hours to a specific numbers, and then hopefully it's more uh, eating during the time when the sun is up and not eating when the sun is down, we're naturally already eliminating a lot of the hours where we 
the body does not need uh, the fuel and, and, and we're getting rid of that, that period of, of food intake. Uh, and those benefits uh, from that generally people, uh, it's great for uh, mental clarity. Um, it's great for um, metabolic control, uh, you know, especially for people who want to lose weight. That can be an easy way of not adding the extra calories into the day. Other than, um, yeah, you know, so for me, I, I try to always do about 12 hours. Like that's something that works for me at the, at the least, right? Like I, um, I naturally, I usually have a lot of evening things to do. So I, I eat dinner at like five or six o'clock. So that's pretty easy. Yeah. I, I eat very early and then, um, just naturally I usually, so I usually eat in like a 10 hour window, I would say like eight to 10 hours, but I always try to at least do 12 hours. Let's say if it's a different type of day or if I'm hungrier in the morning, maybe, or hungrier later, you know, I, I try to stick to 12 hours, but I think what's interesting. And, um, I don't know how, right. There are like medical benefits, right. Um, to fasting and to, um, intermittent fasting for our health. But I think it's interesting because weight loss is something in diet culture. I think people can fast for the wrong reasons. I guess that's what I'm like trying, right. Or fast for the wrong reasons or do intermittent fasting for, right. Like not really for health, but more for control. And I don't, as, as a doctor and it can be, which I know Ali and I want to talk about too, is like who maybe shouldn't <laughs> intermittent fast. Cause I know, especially for young women, um, in our reproductive years, um, I've heard, and you can clarify if fasting isn't always the best for us, um, consistently, but, um, but I guess, I guess my question is how, as a doctor, do you work around the, di- the ugliness of diet culture when yeah. trying to also deal with medical conditions, right. Where like, maybe, yeah, yeah. I, if that question makes sense, I think that's, what's hard is like, I see so many people doing intermittent fasting, um, as a, as like a weight loss thing, but it's more from a diet culture perspective of like control and restriction than for our health. Um, yeah. So I just don't know as a doctor, what you think of that or, or what, you advise to, as you talk to your clients about, um, and patients yeah. about fasting. I, I think that f- first of all, when we think about fasting, um, it, it is actually one of the most natural thing to do rather than thinking of it as a, as a, a hack or, a, as a intervention, you think about, um, in, in most of our natural world, um, animals fast most of the time that, that, Eating is actually interruptions of our fasting pattern. But today we're flipping around. Whenever we think of a fasting is an event, we got to do, we got to sacrifice this. We've got to interrupt our eating. If you think about in nature, um, nature has never uh, supplied us with plenty of, of resources. We always have to go after them. We have to hunt, we have to gather. So most of the time our body is supposed to spend in a fasting period. It's just that our prosperous environment, we flip that all around, right? It's, it's you know, our fridge is, is rarely empty. It's mostly full or, or else we feel very insecure. <laughs> and so, so that's the situation where I'm trying to bring uh, the people's attention to is that 
Um, this is supposed to be the way our body was designed to do, to withstand periods of fasting. And, and so when, when, we, when we challenge that, that design by eating around the clock, that's when all the problem came back. So when I think about intermittent fasting, I really think of it as a, a way to go back to nature, a way where the, our body was really designed to do, um, where uh, when the sun comes up, we're supposed to consume food and be active. When the sun goes down, it's time to rest. It's really that uh, alteration of fasting and then eating well and fasting and eating well, that is the true fundamental foundation for why fasting is good for, for us, rather than just thinking about, oh, not eating is good you know, or fasting is good. It, it's really the wrong concept. You know, it's almost like exercise, right? We think about exercise is great for us. And a lot of our, our, our listeners probably engage in, in, in exercise and great, but it, you could go too far as well, right? Where you focus on exercise too much and you forget the, the part of resting, that it's counterproductive. It's too much exercise and, and you get addicted to it and that there's not enough rest. It's the yin and yang, it's the, the complementary nature of exercise, resting, fasting and the nourishment. I think that's the true rhythm of life. I think, thank you for sharing it that way. I think having that perspective is really important because I think Erica, you're right. Where oftentimes when it's about, you know, marketing and things like that, it becomes, um, it becomes, I don't know, like an alt, another, like you said, another hack. But in fact, when we're talking about fasting, even on just a basic level, it's about, as you're explaining, their circadian rhythm, the rhythm of nature. And it might seem like quote unquote restriction in the way that it's sometimes framed or marketed. But in fact, we're talking about it in the concept of having maybe going from something that isn't necessarily in the rhythm, a natural rhythm of nature, like late night eating or whatever might be accessible, you know, um, from in a, and it's once in a while, sure you're out, that's okay. But from a, from a constant standpoint or a habitual standpoint to recognize, um, the rhythms of nature, which our body fall into, but sometimes there's so much that in our culture, like you were saying that disconnect us from that. So with that perspective, you know, um, you said we naturally fast anyway, typically overnight when we sleep. So, um, I think that's a good way to frame it for anybody listening who might have, you know, just been exposed to, you know, like, Oh, try this for the, you know, this hack, this with this, um, it gives a different perspective to what, it, what kind of benefit it can have. Yeah. I think this is definitely not one of those uh, fads because this is actually part of nature. We, we are, our body actually works the best when we intermittent fast and when we fast on a regular basis, it's just the way, if you look at from, from, as I mentioned, from yeast to, to animal, uh, you know, to, to laboratory rodents, to uh, mammals and humans, if you look around the, the centenarians, people who live uh, beyond hundreds, yeah. and if you look at these blue zone regions of the world, fasting had always been part of their lifestyle. Now, it's not like that they say, oh, here's the, the latest trends. Let's go on fasting <laughs> until you live 100 years old. It was more like nature was imposing on them because yeah. the food wasn't that plenty, because they did not have refrigeration, because they did not have electricity. 
and they rose with the sun, they went to bed you know, when the sun goes down and they didn't eat during those. Uh, those are actually a result of, of the natural rhythm of life. Yeah. And because they focus a lot on friendship and community and oftentimes the, there was a spiritual focus in, in these uh, regions of the world. So they fasted for spiritual reasons and all that in our observation, hey, these people lived really well. <laughs> they lived happily, they lived long life, and they lived long healthy rather right. than long sick, uh, as in our society, where we use, we're using medicine to support our, our, our longevity rather than using a part of our lifestyle to support our longevity. Yeah, absolutely. And can you tell us what happens to the body when it's constantly eating? Like yeah. what happens to us, like That's physiologically happening if we're, if we're not taking enough of these breaks? Yeah, uh, I think uh, on a personal level, we can speak about the personal level and on a societal level, right? So uh, on a personal level, when we uh, constantly consume food, uh, this, you think about on the cellular levels, right? The cells, what do they do when there's a lot of nutrients? They say we grow, right? That's the signal. Instead of, of, of no nutrients coming in, when the nutrients are plenty, the glucose, the proteins, the amino acids, by the way, we are very much over-proteinized as a society. The cells see this all the time, and it's round the clock. Every waking moment, we have some food. The cell says, okay, there's always pressure to grow. Now, growth sounds, sounds like a great great term, right? Everybody has like to be strong and grow and grow muscles, right? That's our culture. But think about it. Uh, there's also the, the time need, the body needs a time for break. And what the bodies, uh, what the cells do when there's not a lot of nutrient is go into a phase where they say, hey, there's no food coming in. I need to make use of the ones that's already in our body. For example, we need to tap into the fats in our body, especially the belly fats as a source of fuel. On the cellular level, the cell says, hey, there's no food coming in. I, I really need to figure out how am I going to survive? And I will start by looking for the parts of the cells that are older, they're more worn out. I'm going to take them and recycle, destroy them, recycle them and build new ones. That process, that cellular cleanse, that cellular turnover is so fundamental to the health of the cell. Now we're talking about single cell here, but you think about there's, you know, the body's made out of cells. Each cell going through that rejuvenation cycle, that recycling process, that is actually fundamental to the health of the cell and thereby uh, you know, fundamental to the health of the organism. This work of cellular recycling, there's a term called autophagy, autophagy, that means the cells are eating itself, is so fundamental that it won the Nobel Prize in 2016. Uh, Professor Otsumi in Japan, his lifelong work looking at how calorie restriction through fasting activates the cellular mechanism for survival. So let's pull back. Okay, and then we're talking about single cell here. Nobody cares about the cells. <laughs> you, you think about the, the whole organism, right? Think about, you know, through millions and millions of years, uh, most of organisms do not have lots of food, right? And so during the time when there's no food, nature actually has designed it so, so that the, the body says, you know what, there's no food coming in. I got to do something to survive. I got to clean up. I got to recycle. And so as an organism, this is a survival mechanism, okay? 
move forward to, to the, you know, 2022 now, uh, we hardly face any true uh, uh, sort of a starvation uh, challenge here in the United States. I mean, we still have food security, insecurity issues, still have poverty issues, but not like there's, you know, not like a famine where a whole population gets wiped out because there's no food. Okay, so we hardly go through this period where the body has a chance to recycle uh, and to do a deep cleanse. We're depriving our body an opportunity uh, for what nature is designed as a survival mechanism. Yeah, and I know you have you now work with a fasting mimicking diet that I that we'll go into in a little bit. But um, you mentioned right, like. I liked what you said too, about like changing the conversation around fasting of like, we fast and then, right. We nourish, right. We like nourish ourselves when we're eating what, um, from your perspective, cause talk about fads. I know in like keto intermittent fasting is really big, but there's so many, what do you think is the most nourishing way to eat? Is it just person to person or do you, is it keto? Is it paleo? Is it vegan? Like from your medical um, perspective no. or just from your experience, what do you think is a nourishing way for us to eat when we're not in the fast? You know, I, I think there's a lot of debate around this, you know, and, and I'm, I'm sure you, you've polled five experts. They're going to give you different angles. Uh, I, I'm going to come from uh, more holistic angle here, you know, from a healthy aging perspective, what do we know? A lot of people get on to the keto uh, a trend, not for living a healthy aging lifestyle, but for specific, overcome specific condition, right? And so that's a, a narrow indication. Uh, for me, we need to look at uh, sort of a, 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 from a longevity angle. Now, what do we know so far? Well, if you look at uh, all the large epidemiologic studies, right? People follow 20 years and large 10,000 people studies, uh, Mediterranean diet it always come up to be the top, okay? True, tried and true. Uh, these are also happen to be many of the longevity regions of the world follow that kind of Mediterranean diet. Uh, um, and uh, while the Mediterranean diet focuses on what's in there, I think, there's another approach. If you incorporate uh, a modified Mediterranean diet with fasting in there, I do believe that, that that's what we really see around the Mediterranean region. Uh, and so incorporating fasting into it and, 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 and you know, both intermittent fast and long fast. We haven't talked about the long fast, but we should because it has a totally different um, metabolic impact, even cellular impact that you're not going to get from intermittent fasting. And, and that's the kind of fasting that uh, many of the religious fasts, much of the uh, of the cultural fasts, really are the long fast, not the short fast. Okay, but uh, if you look at the Mediterranean diet, it's it's, it's pe pescatarian, right? With fish in there, there's plenty of vegetables in there, olives, whole grains, uh, and, and I I do believe from a longevity perspective, uh, the evidence is all pointed to that kind of diet. Yeah, it has. And there's some good balance, you know, healthy fats in there, like you said, with the olives. And oftentimes we don't get enough of, I think the balance, Eric and I are always big on really being conscientious of blood sugar balance and, you know, fiber and in those good veggies and, and healthy fats and, and adequate protein, um, whether it's plant-based or, 
some animal based as well. So yeah, it makes, it makes sense. Um, and I'm fascinated by the blue zones and I have been for years and often, you know, as you mentioned to this idea of what is our health span, which is so, um, not always a part of the conversation in, in longevity. It is in the community of, of doctors and professionals that really study this, I think, but not, um, when people talk about living, wanting to live to a hundred, which we're pushing culturally more and more and more, but it's like, what do those last 20 years of your life then look like, you know, um, is it really, uh, living? Is it really being able to thrive or just sort of stay alive? Thanks to, you know, a lot of Western pharmaceuticals and things like that. So it's like, what is the quality of the years that we do get, um, and I think the blue zones are really interesting studies. And if anybody, um, I think we've talked about them here and there on the show, but if anybody is not familiar with blue zones, there, there are, there's seven of them in the world. Is that right? The, yeah. The, the, yeah. The, now. The, yep. And, um, check them out, look them up. There are seven different regions in the world from Okinawa to Sardinia. Um, and, there's one in the U S in California, you have Belinda and, um, you know, all of these zones have slight differences in their cultures and their practices, but they do have certain things in common. And, um, it's not just diet that they talk about. It's really lifestyle and, and what these incredible health spans that people have. And, um, yeah, I just find it pretty admirable and really exciting to look at that. So, um, let's go into, uh, like long fasting, you're talking about, we haven't, we haven't touched on this idea yet. Can you explain to us what it is? Yeah. So, um, the long fasting that come in many different names, uh, some people call it the, uh, prolonged fast. Some, some people call them periodic fast, meaning you're, you're doing the fast periodically rather than every single day. Um, the, the prolonged fast are really interesting, uh, uh, physiologically, uh, they have very uh, interesting impact. You see, the, the effect of fasting on the body, especially these long fasts, are really not about calories. A lot of people think, oh, it's, it's, it's just small calories, and therefore I'm just going to eat small calories. I'm going to get the benefits of fasting. That's actually a mistake. Because you could, you know, fasting really can be defined on a different level. A lot of people, you know, think that fasting means no food. <laughs> That's fasting. But you think about it, you know, from a cell's perspective, what, what is fasting to the, to the, to the, uh, the, every cell? Well, every cell has these nutrient sensors, right? These are essentially ears, eyes, and nose of, of the cells that senses, hey, is there proteins around? Hey, is there glucose around? Is there amino acids around? Because when these sensors are turned on by these nutrients, it tells the cell to grow. When these cells are, are turned off, meaning that they don't see any nutrients, the cells go into that rejuvenation, that autophagy state. <laughs> That's what determines uh, uh, a definition on a cellular level. We call that cellular fasting or molecular fasting. Now, the cells always see some level of nutrients. Otherwise, I mean, the, the, the blood vessels always have some level of nutrients, even if you're fasting, right? And so it's all about the threshold. How much nutrients uh, is enough to trigger these sensors in the cells to tell them to grow or to rejuvenate? 
Now, uh, and so most of the time is the stress of no food that causes the cells to go into their rejuvenation state. Now, the body is very passive, you think about it. I mean, what's exercise, you think about that? It's actually stress, right? You're pushing your body to go on the treadmill or to run or to, to work out with weights. It's actually stress to the body. And then when you have stress, you want to make sure the stress is not too long. Otherwise, it's not good for the body. But you also want to make sure it's enough stress. Otherwise, you're not going to push the body to, to, to respond to it. Now, I often use the analogy of, of finance. Let's think about family finance, right? Let's say, you know, uh, if he, God forbids that we don't have income for about a day or so, what are we going to do? We say, oh, okay, well, you know, we'll just, let's see what happens tomorrow. <laughs> it's a day. It's not enough to change our lifestyle. But what if we have no income for about a week? And we say, oh, ooh, that's cash flow issues, right? Because, I mean, if we live from paycheck to paycheck a week without any income, it, it stresses you, right? But think about it. If there's no income for about a month, what happens? Well, you're going to do something about it, right? You're going to say, well, you know, I got to move some money and then I got to begin to change my lifestyle. Now, that's a stress. Same thing, when you think about the, the economy of fuel inside the cell, inside the body, when you have one hour of no food, nobody cares. When you have one day of no food, okay. You say, well, but you know, food's coming tomorrow. But if you have a couple of days without food now, the cells gotta say, well, I don't know when food is coming next, right? How do I survive? Well, let me look into my, my inside, you know, my body. Do I have storage where I can tap into? That's we would begin to burn our fats, right? Also inside the cell, the cell's going to say, well, where am I going to throw away? Well, let me go to the ones, the part of the cells, they're older, they're more worn out, that's less valuable. Let's recycle them. And, and it, it's those cycles of, of stress and then relief and stress and relief that is so fundamental to, to our health. I mean, financially, you know, a when a company goes through those kind of cycles, the company becomes leaner, they trim the fat, they, they trim the inefficiency. The reorganization causes the, the organization to be more efficient in, in their operations. And by the same token, the body does the same thing. So that's really the benefits. Um, not only metabolic benefits as in the intermittent fasting, all the long fasting have cellular impacts that impacts longevity. That's really the key differentiator there. We want to take a quick break from this episode to tell you about today's sponsor, Milk and Honey. I have been using their baking soda-free deodorant exclusively for over two years. This gentle, aluminum-free, baking soda-free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. When I decided that I wanted to make the switch to a clean aluminum free deodorant, I tried so many different brands and each and every time I was plagued with red itchy bumps under my arms on top of feeling not confident at all that I did not smell. Milk and honey not only never once gave me those pesky red bumps, but also passed the smell test even after an intense spin and hit class. It truly is the best and comes in two scents, lavender tea tree and lemon vanilla. And for our local to Los Angeles listeners, Milk and Honey has the most amazing spa that just opened in Brentwood in West LA after being the go-to spa with multiple locations in Texas for so long. They offer facials, body treatments, massages, and so much more at their beautiful new space. 
I recently had a massage at the Brentwood location and it was a lovely experience. We are so happy that Milk and Honey Spas are now in LA. And of course, their online boutique is just the best if you aren't local. Milk and Honey is a line of non-toxic, effective, and safe bath, body, and skincare products made in small batches in Austin, Texas. They source ingredients as hyper-clean as possible, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. Milk and Honey is a female-founded and funded brand, and in addition to clean deodorant, they also carry non-toxic bath, body, and skincare products like hydration creams, cleansers, soaps, body polish, and lots more that will make you feel nourished inside and out. Their online boutique also offers clean beauty products from top brands, including Osea Malibu, Virtue, Moon Juice, Kula Sun Care, and more. If you want to try Milk and Honey, you can receive 15% off your order by visiting milkandhoney.com and using the code CWPODCAST, one word, at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. This episode is brought to you by Base. Ever wanted to figure out why you are feeling sluggish or bloated or what's really up with your stress levels or why you never feel truly rested? With Base at-home blood work kits, a simple finger prick or saliva sample makes it easy to find out the answers to common health concerns. Whether you know which tests you want to get started with or you need some guidance, Base's proprietary assessment quiz makes it easy to begin your health journey empowered with an understanding of your own body. Members can measure, understand, and improve their health levels related to the five most common areas of health concerns, diet, stress, energy, sleep, and sex drive. The result of your hormone, vitamin, or nutrient tests are delivered to you through BASE's app and come with personalized recommendations, including lifestyle changes, supplement suggestions, and more. We both had the opportunity to try base and we love having the information at our fingertips and really recommend it as a resource. You know, we are huge proponents of advocating for your own health and base gives you a baseline information about yourself just to make it easier. Pricing starts at $59.95 per month or quarterly, or you can start with base complete, which are eight tests up front for four fifty. We are happy to be able to offer our listeners 20% off with the code CW podcast to get started. Take the base quiz, which will give you a recommendation for a personalized testing plan. Visit get basecom slash CW podcast to receive 20% off with code CW podcast at checkout. You can also find the direct link to the quiz in our show notes. Is long fasting, and I know you are the chief medical officer with um, Prolon, which is a fasting mimicking diet that that people can can do. Is long fasting something people should always like? If anyone's listening and they're inspired to to do a long fast, um, or have been thinking about doing it for a moment. Um, it, should it be done under like the supervision of a doctor or with a program or is it something that you can just like, and again, I'm not, I don't understand this as well. So just to say it, like, I'm just not going to eat for three days. <laughs> like I don't, you know, or I'm just gonna, and then eat Like what's the best way to go about getting the benefits for just like the average person or the average listener hearing this? That is so important, right? Um, 
because we know that long fast can have many potential benefits, but the, the, let's not forget the flip side too. It may not be good for everybody and it may not be safe enough for everybody. And this is where <laughs> I think as a clinician, we got to look at this and say, well, you know, what's, what's the risk and benefits analysis for long fast? You know, we know intermittent fast is great for metabolic control, for a lot of the emotional support, but it's really the true long fast that causes enough stress for these processes to happen. But a lot of our patients, you know, uh, speaking from a doctor's angle, just not healthy enough to fast that long. And many of our listeners, <laughs> it's just difficult. I mean, can you imagine we say, well, okay, this is gonna be a health retreat. There's no food. I mean, it's like, what kind of vacation? What kind of retreat is that? that that's crap, right? No one enjoys that. And so I, I think this is where uh, the fasting mimicking diet was born. That really came out of the fact is, how do we reap many of the benefits associated with a long fast without necessarily carrying all the burdens associated with oral, uh, a water-only fast? So the fasting mimicking diet was, uh, was invented uh, in the lab, actually, by uh, Professor Walter Longel, who is the head of the Longevity Center uh, at USC University of Southern California. And 20 years of research you know, he had, he, he, he figured out that there's an intersection between longevity, nutrition, and fasting, but he also realized pragmatically, it's very difficult, Ellie, Erica, Will here, for, I mean, I've never fasted five days, have you? It's very difficult. Both of you are shaking no. your head. Right? Yes. I was going to say, oh, just to, I was like, I always, we always do gestures and then have to say, oh, because podcast. So um, no, I've never fasted five days. Have you, Erica? Uh, no, I have, I have not. <laughs> okay. Well, so for the average, uh, uh, many women among us, um, there goes, you know, there is the ideal solution and there is the pragmatic solution. So the fasting mimicking diet really was designed to support many women like yourself and myself, right? Who wants to reap many of the benefits. And so how, how is it possible? And I think it goes back to that molecular fasting definition, the cellular fast definition I gave earlier. If we're able to give nutrition and, and enough nutrients to, to nourish the body during the fast, but still fall below the detection of these nutrient sensors in the cells, then we can cause the cells to go into that fasting state at the same time, give enough nutrients so that it can take away much of the burden uh, associated with the five-day fast. <laughs> That's how it's possible. Is it? Is it still, I'm curious, can you talk to us too about, I know people who have done um, uh, Prolon as well and have done, what is the, like, is it, you eat on it, right? Like you're talking about, it's done in a way that there's food. Can you tell us about what the program yeah. is and what you eat? And, and I'm sure you've done it. So does it feel, um, like, are you hungry or like you must be hungry, right? Um, <laughs> but maybe you can talk to us about what it actually is and what you're eating. And I guess if like how you feel. Yeah. That's, that's a, and that's then a, I, and then I have more questions and I'm sure Ali does too about it, but like, you know, candidates and all of that, but I'm I just, let's start there. So the uh, Prolon is a five day fast program. And uh, 
uh, each day there's a day box. So you only consume the food that's in each of the box. It's very carefully designed with all the scientific results and, and calculation in there. So, so when you're consuming these food, you're not triggering these nutrient sensors. And we have multiple studies that are published that shows that while you're on these five-day journey, uh, your body's in the fasting state. So what's in there? There's actually soup. There's actually crackers. There's actually specially formulated L-drink to support muscle preservation during the five-day fast. There are olives um, uh, in there as well. There are different varieties of soups. It's actually uh, it's, it's amazingly plentiful. A lot of people say, well, I, you know, how, how is this possible? I think this is where we really have to separate the understanding of a behavior fast from a cellular fast. So in the five days, typically, after a couple of cycles of these prolonged uh, of fasts, um, this is what we show in the studies. There are four different levels of impact. The first level immediately you will see is a drop in your body weight. Now, what's faster than a fast in terms of weight loss? But, you know, we, I, I don't often focus on the weight loss because if you think about it, you know, weight loss is really a side effect of fasting. Meaning it's a good side effect of fasting, but it's not why people go to fast. You cannot fast long enough. To, to, to solve the obesity problem uh, 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 that our society faces, right? This is really uh, uh, weight loss. It, it, it is a fat-driven weight loss, meaning that when you uh, begin to fast, the body taps into the fats as a source of fuel, but it prever uh, preserves the lean body mass in the body because it's a stress, as I mentioned. It's not about low calories because it's the stress of not having the food. It causes the growth hormones and other stress hormones to go up. And those hormones preserves the lean body mass. Think about this. I mean, you know, when a tiger is, is, is hungry, fasting for a couple of days, if the, if the, the, uh, if the tiger's muscle becomes weak and, and the muscle gets, you know, gets cut down because you know, it gets digested as a, as a source of fuel, that species would have gone extinct, extinct a long time ago. Right, but rather is the stress of fasting cause preserve the lean body mass, and that's really part of the, of the benefits of, of fasting. So you see the weight loss, you see that the mid trunk fat gets burned away. It's a fat driven weight loss. That's number one. Number two, we talked about the autophagy. You're going to see their cellular changes. Now you're not going to see it, but science has told us has, has revealed that with prolonged fasting through prolonged. There are, there, there's autophagy process, there's their cellular rejuvenation that's so fundamental to healthy aging. Number three, a lot of people feel mental clarity. Um, and you think about, you know, it's a change of the fuel of the body. Instead of burning uh, highly satisfying glucose as a, as a source of fuel, it's turning, it's burning fat and generating ketone bonds in the body in a short period of time. It's not for a year, for six months, like in a keto diet, but a short period of time. Uh, many people experience a, a, a focus uh, in, in their intention and also uh, a, a clarity in their minds. This is why a lot of the, the, the different cultures around the world fast uh, periodically. These are the reasons for the religious fast. These are the reasons for a lot of the cultural fast. So feeling good, feeling energized, feeling that sense of mental clarity is, is sort of the third one. And uh, uh, Ellie? 
Oh, I, sorry. I was just going to say, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that it's not ongoing because we've also seen, and this I think is an important thing to kind of point out, but, and we've seen over time. And I think both as, indiv- as individuals who've worked with clients, but then also just generally we've learned, um, you know, as people who've grew up with diet culture of the nineties, and as we've all seen over the last 30 years, intense calorie restriction for long periods of time can do a lot of damage to metabolic health as well. And people wreck their metabolisms because of it. So I'm glad you just pointed out that this is like a short controlled experience, not a lifestyle (laughs) indefinitely. You know, starvation was never good for humanity. No. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we say, oh, fasting is so good. Well, what about starvation? Let's go the, the, the distance. It's never good. It's never been good. It's not the fa- fasting is only part one of the story, as I often yeah. say. Right? It's, it's the sure bout of stress and the relief by proper nourishment. Is that it's, it's the working out and the resting, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's the, this is the law of the nature. And so, so yeah, and you know uh, that mental clarity can come from a very controlled fasting for a, a period of time. One quick question while we're at this too is since you know, say you're doing a five day controlled mimicking fasting experience, and then, um, but I imagine because there is that, especially that first or second day, that shift in. Uh, the amount of just fuel that you're getting, the amount of units of energy, the calories, what, if people want to try this, what do you recommend from a physical activity standpoint? Cause I also know that it can, I'm sure you can have that first day where your blood sugar is probably much lower. I mean, you have, you're eating a little bit, so it maintains some of it, but maybe then what you're used to, um, is there a shift in, how, how one should move or the expectation of energy during that time? That's a very, very good question. Um, I, I don't know about the, your listeners, but some of my patients are super motivated. <laughs> and, and when we, whenever I talk to them about uh, fasting, they often say, well, I'm going to exercise and I'm going to you know, add on to it because <laughs> they're super motivated. Uh, I think that's probably not a very good idea if you've never fasted a long time because you're adding stress, another level of stress, right? And, and, and you should... Just like any new uh, adventure, uh, and you know, I remember first time my wife uh, uh, asked me to to do yoga with her. I'm like, yoga, that's easy. It's not weight. It's not weightlifting. I mean, come on, right? My goodness, the second day I'm just, I was sore all over the place because all the stretching and and all all that that hidden strength that you need for yoga, right? So so something you don't know what you're gonna experience when you do fasting first. I would say, cut down your activities. You already have the body's already going through tremendous stress from fasting. Give it a break, mm-hmm. cut down your activities. Uh, don't be a couch potato, walk around, you know. But we do this is not the time to add stress onto the stress, yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm curious to well, like a couple things, like basics, like how many times a year should you do like a prolonged fast like this? Yeah. And when you come out of it how do you like, what should you eat? I guess oh, like to not get sick. And then yeah. I'll ask the second part of the question. After Those are like the two basics. And yeah. then I have um, 
I have another maybe not so basic question. So very good question. You know, it, it depends on what goals you're setting for yourself. Let's say if you're somebody that has many different metabolic goals and you want to use fasting as a way to modulate, to sync up your, your, your health, then, then it could be as often as once a month for the fasting mimicking diet. Uh, we don't recommend anything more frequent than that because you really want to have a couple of weeks of just rejuvenating and re, re, replenishing your body. However, for those who have already reached a, 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 a stable metabolic status, then it could be as, as infrequently as just a quarter, you know, once a quarter, every three, four months. I often use this analogy, you know, we, 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 you know, we clean our, our, our house, uh, you know, on a week, you know, on a weekly basis, but every spring we do a deep spring cleaning where we take down the curtain, we, you know, uh, shampoo the carpet. I mean, you don't do that every week, do you? You don't, it's too much, right? And so also it's not necessary. So that's, that's the, the first part of the question. The second part of the question is, that really brings on the, the, the fourth benefits of, of, of going on a prolonged fast. And that is, uh, it changes the relationship you have with food. Because it's four days, five days, right? You're going through that, that you're separating yourself from the addiction that you used to have. So it changes the way you relate to the food. And a lot of our users after five-day prolong, the, the most common question is, oh my goodness, I feel so different. I've achieved something that I've never done before. What, what should I eat now? Because they don't want to pollute their body anymore. They say, wow, I feel so clean. I, my, my, my mind is so sharp. How do I continue now to build a good foundation of everyday, uh, everyday clean eating? And, and we heard so much about this that we actually... Um, bought a piece of, of land in New Jersey, Long Valley, New Jersey. And we actually brought back seeds from these blue zone regions of the world. These are non-genetically modified seeds and we grow our own farm. And we deliver these food from farms to tables in 48 hours. Um, they're, they're, they're organic, they're farmed sustainably. Uh, we don't use herbicides or pesticides. I mean, it's the most clean food on earth. And that's the kind of food you really want to give to the body after a long fast. Yeah. The body is so needing the nutrition by that stage. But could you get, just to like end on this, like, or before I move on to my next question, but could you get, like, let's say you finish your fast on day five and then you like go and eat like a chicken salad. Could you get sick? Like, does your stomach need time to, I guess, it, it, like, it do you need on, to eat small? Like, how do you, I guess, yeah, like, yeah. also like what you eat, but do you have to kind of ease into no, normal if you're like relatively a healthy eater? Do you have to kind of ease into your normal eating again? Yeah. It all depends on your body. And a lot mm -hmm. of people uh, have no problem going to a regular diet. But we think that, you know, it's, you know, as I mentioned, I feel that your body after five days of fast is like a sponge. Mm -hmm. It's going to absorb everything you eat. Yeah. That, right. For the better. All, yeah. yeah. All the, all the toxins, if you put in your mouth, all the nutrients you put in your mouth, all the impurities you put in, that's the time when you really wanted to give the body the best, uh, um, choices of, of food yeah. that you can get. Of course. Yeah. So I guess then my second question or the second part of the question is who, not who would not be a good candidate for this. Cause, um, I'm sure like anything we can't, you know, diets. And I'm sure like 
any type of restriction does attract people who might have a history with disordered eating or who are just coming to this for weight loss, which I know is not the right move whatsoever. But beyond just that, like, is there any other individuals who might not be a good candidate to jump into this? Maybe somebody who maybe has excessive weight to lose, like, or is struggling with excessive health problems or on the second part of that, I'm curious too, because I know Allie and I talk about, um, young women in their reproductive years too. I know, and this goes back to intermittent fasting as well. So maybe it's like full circle, but, um, I, I don't think enough young women know, and maybe you can correct this or expand on this, but I don't think enough young women know, because I certainly didn't know that prolonged fasting or prolonged intermittent fasting, even in our reproductive years might not be as good for us. Um, maybe you could touch on that for young women. And I can just, I can just add into that. I mean, I've worked with, um, young women with specifically conditions, hormonal things like PCOS, which is deeply connected to insulin and, um, blood sugar and who don't eat enough. And once I sort of help encourage, um, stoking, not, not in a like simple meals, maybe three meals within a 12 hour frame, but who might not have been eating breakfast and let their blood sugar go so low and don't like have spikes and, um, and deep kind of like falls because then they're so starving that they just have sugar. And it's, you know, it's this, this cycle that's ultimately not great for our, uh, reproductive hormones too. And they don't, you know, then you get irregular periods. And the first thing I find that helps is getting the nutrients they need in, um, in real meals and three real meals to start, you know, and, and blood sugar balancing meals without crazy spikes in your glucose. Um, so that being said, you know, those are specific situations and specific clients or specific people, but we do have a lot of young female listeners. So I would love you to share a little bit about what Erica then just like wanted to add that in, um, what Erica had asked too, like what in a situation should someone maybe get into better metabolic health? Do we need to be in good metabolic health to really reap the benefits of a fast? Well, you're, you, you brought on a very complex issue, uh, that affects many of my patients and, and, uh, as well as your listeners, I, I think, um, Every intervention, when when taken to an extreme, can hurt us. We we have to realize uh, they are uh, excessive exercising is not good for us, right? Excessive sleeping is not good for us. <laughs> there is such a thing as exercise, you know, excessive fasting or a, a, a withholding of nutrient is terrible for us. It's really has to be done in the spirit and the context of balance. I think that's that's understandable. Um, there are specific, specific populations where I believe uh, there are more risks than benefits. And, and, and I think because everybody one is different, you really need to reach out to your healthcare providers and, and have a conversation with your, um, even with, uh, you know, in consultation with, with those who can provide a, a good context here. 
So uh, for example, if you're pregnant, uh, this is not a good time to do any kinds of fasting. <laughs> if you're lactating, um, that's also not a good time. Uh, and although most of your listeners are young uh, people, but for those who have more advanced age, you really wanna be very careful. What medications are you taking? Is your health, are you healthy enough to, to go even five days of a supported nourish fast like prolong? That's a conversation you ought to have. If you're very young, you know, you're not fully grown. I mean, growth is key when you're an adolescent uh, and young age, you probably wanna have a conversation. And this is not something where uh, you want to routinely interrupt that growth uh, a pattern that's, that's so necessary and fundamental part of your growth. For most adult women in their reproductive age, uh, because prolong is a nourished fast, it's not a five-day fast, there is still nutrients. And that's really actually why prolong was invented, was to take away some of the edge, right? Some, some of that burden associated with this. Oftentimes, women don't have trouble with ovulation when they're on prolong. Now, five days of fast could uh, impact, uh, impact you, especially uh, for, for those women who are sensitive uh, to the effect of uh, calorie restriction. So maybe five days is too long. Maybe three days is better. Maybe two days is better. Uh, there's a lot of individualization here. We're speaking out of very general terms here, but I, I think that balance and context is so important in this conversation. Yeah, I think that's really great. And so like to clarify then for all of our listeners, if this is almost like piquing your interest or you're like for the right reasons, right? Like, hmm, I want some of the benefits of a prolonged fast. Then maybe the next step is talking to your doctor or like, you know, contact and like going deeper in the conversation. And I think that's what's so hard about the Instagram generation and millennials and zillennials is like, you see something online and then you just go do it or you go buy it, but you don't really have the education around it. And I think that can be very, it is very dangerous, right? Like even just to speak to like, and we've done another episode on this where it was touched on, but just in case anyone's listening for the first time or is even new to our podcast, um, is it true too, right? That young women in reproductive age should also not be intermittent fasting five days a week, three, six, five. Well, it, it depends, right? So if you do, if you do what the body was designed to do, when the sun rises, you eat and stop eating. When the sun goes down, that's not fasting. We put the word fasting on there uh, as if this is something so unusual and so 21st century. No, no, <laughs> this is as old as the millennia, right? So, so I, I think um, when we look at intermittent fasting in the light of what the body was designed to do, I think. Uh, it should be very healthy for most people. Now, yeah. when you go from 12, 12 to, to 14, 10, to 16, eight, to 18, six, then even to one meal a day, now you're increasing that stress every day. Now, is that good every day for you? That's when I really would disagree. I think that you have to have a plan. It's not something you do for a long, long time. Yeah. Because that's only part of the story. Remember, it's the fasting and the nourishment, that combination. Uh, well, thank you so much for sharing this. I think you've really presented this topic in a very balanced way, in a very sort of holistic way. And with hopefully for our listeners, some deeper understanding about um, 
even the cellular benefits that this can provide, but within the context of, is it right for you at this time in your life? And if it is, then maybe do some more research with your own medical professionals to see how you can really do it. That is going to support you and um, have all the benefits that you talk about as well. So I appreciate you sharing that, um, you know, the, the full sort of holistic approach in the way that we talk about fasting and the different types, uh, as well. And as we start to wrap up, we always ask our guests three questions, three wrap up questions. So there's no, no wrong answers. They're just fun questions. (laughs) Um, so the first one is, you know, you're a CMO chief medical officer of a company. You also are a doctor. You've had, um, you know, practice over the years. And I'm curious, what is your daily self-care and how do you, do you have any non-negotiables for your own just sort of daily self-care practices? Yeah, I I think, you know, uh, I practice uh, time restricted eating. Um, To me, I don't even, I even hate to use that word because it's like I'm on a program. No, this is what, what really is the most, the most healthy way. I mean, eating a couple hours before I go to sleep is probably the worst thing for me. I mean, I I don't get to use up the energy. So it's common sense. So that's one of the things I do. Every four, three, four months, I do a cycle prolong. Uh, For me, I think the evidence is strong and it's, it's five day of fasting mimicking diet within a three month cycle. I think I have plenty of time to make up for, for those nutrient deficiency. I think that's uh, so that's what I do for myself and for my family. Thank you. So the next question we always ask is what does being courageous mean to you? You know, um, being courageous, um, I think there's such a divide between uh, knowing what we should be doing and and from doing it, from actually doing it. And this uh, happens so much. I have many colleagues uh, that who are physicians in the, in the healthcare industry uh, that haven't really taken care of themselves, right? They struggle with overweight, being overweight. They struggle with many of the metabo- uh, metabolic disorders uh, as their patients. Why is that? I think we're just too busy or too burdened. I think for me, courage is really um, just the ability, you know, to do, to take the first step towards what you know is right for you. And, um, and I would encourage all of us uh, to really take that first step. You know, fasting could be a tool. It's a tool. It's just a tool. A part of your balanced approach to a healthy longevity lifestyle. Thank you. And the final question is, do you have any book recommendations for our listeners? It can just be on truly on anything. It could be on fasting or it could be a novel that you've enjoyed recently. <laughs> anything um, that's just meant something to you. That's great. Uh, you know, I think uh, as I'm looking at my bookshelf, uh, as I often talk about, you know, fasting is part of the story. It is part of our dietary story. There's times when you don't eat, but there's also time when you ought to eat. <laughs> and how you put your attention on these balance is going to be so critical to supporting your healthy, happy uh, lifestyle there. There's a book by the Professor Walter Longo, who was the founder of El Nutra, uh, by the name of the book uh, is called Longevity Diet, uh, where he 
And this was actually one of the, the best-selling uh, uh, book a couple of years back. Um, and he uh, looked into laboratory science. He looked into epidemiologic studies. He looked at the uh, blue zone regions of the world and tried to tease out what are the common endpoints here? What are some of the things from all these studies is showing? And, and it was a great uh, read. It's an easy read. Um, it's very intuitive. It takes fasting into what, what science has now revealed. It's a great, easy uh, book to read. If anybody wants to um, find more information about you, the work that you do, Prolon, where can they do that? Yeah, you know, I, I joined this company, Elnutra, uh, to really open up a new dimension of research, uh, looking, taking what we already knew in animals into humans. This is an amazing company. For more information, you could uh, look up uh, l-nutra, that's n-u-t-r-a.com, l-nutra.com. That's the company behind the fasting mimicking diet. Now, if you're interested in the product for yourself, you could always look up Prolon FMD. FMD stands for fasting mimicking diet, so prolongfmd.com. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.